Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. So, like in a survival situation, what would you do? What do you mean? Like, what are your skills? What's your game plan? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd find a man find a man yeah i mean am i strong sure am i capable sure am i stronger or more capable than a well-trained man no okay well that's internal misogyny but we're not even going to talk about that um why do you think this man is just going to protect you oh yeah that's where my uh skills come in oh oh what should i have said like archery or something All right, this is not actually the morning after. This is the Fact Check This Podcast. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Elizabeth Duffy. Uh, so I had actually put, we do different little uh, videos and stuff for our intros for the morning after. And a friend had sent your TikTok to me. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because one of our uh, running gags for, the, for that show is we are... We are misogynistic. We are racist. We're all a bunch of neo-Nazis. We're, uh, so we just lean into all of the stereotypes that get thrown at people who tend to lean our direction with stuff. And so, so seeing that, I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's a, that is a perfect clip for an intro. So Yeah, you had to go with one of the really controversial ones there. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of the nature of, of our morning show. Uh, not that I'm not controversial with this show, but maybe a little bit less... Uh, explicitly so <laughs> yeah that was my uh big internal misogyny video where i got the feminazis were very angry at me for that one i would imagine so i bet you get a lot of backlash on that kind of on pretty much anything you do so and that's part of what we're going to talk about but to start us off why don't you kind of introduce yourself and uh, and then we'll just sort of take it from there yeah sure so um my name is elizabeth duffy and i do uh content creation kind of based around uh, libertarianism, personal sovereignty, freedom, and with like a comedic satirical twist to it. So uh, basically everybody on all sides hates me all the time. So that's what I do. That is the perfect place to be, I would think. Yeah, <laughs> right you, in the middle. Yeah, if you've got everybody pissed off, then you're you're probably pissing off the right people. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about being kind of controversial on stuff. Because you you definitely do have a lot of stuff, especially on your TikTok, that would be viewed as controversial from either the right or the left. And you know, for for somebody like me who agrees with all of that, it's really cool. But what what's some of the typical backlash you get on, for instance, the the internal misogyny uh, clip or or stuff along those lines? Like, so what's some of the biggest backlash you get from people? So the left basically attacks me usually for obviously white supremacy 
being white and then uh internal misogyny because i don't follow the kind of feminist narrative and oh what else but the left hates me on basically everything actually um i don't think the left you have to like toe the line exactly on the left or else they're you know you're like a far right supremacist or whatever um so left hates basically all my views the right doesn't really attack me on a whole lot minus the fact that uh i have like an only fans and they you know like the social conservatives get really angry it was actually funny back in the day uh when tiktok first started i had one kind of just for fun and i would make videos and i had like the, an american flag behind me a lot of times and people would just assume i was like a conservative like a christian conservative like hardcore type and they'd follow me and then like a video would come up where i did something that like wasn't conservative and the amount of rage that would they would be like i thought you were a christian I, and i'm like i'm sorry i don't know where you got that sorry they get really offended when you have too much cleavage it's weird <laughs> so that's the only thing the right actually gets on me and it's not everybody on the right like the right is way more chill at this point. It's funny back in the day, um, I back in the day, like 10 years ago, uh, I probably disagreed with the right more than the left because the left used to be like super chill and they, their only big thing was like gay marriage and stuff. But other than that, they were very like live and let live. Um, not the politicians, like just the average like lefty that you would come across basically the average Democrat. Um, and the Republicans were more like, no, we don't want this stuff. Like, you have to follow this line. You have to be, you know, socially conservative. And um, so I disagreed a lot more on their stuff, but they've really come around. Like, there's a lot of people on the right now who are like anti-police brutality. They're anti-big federal government. Like, they're pretty libertarian, actually, the majority of, you know, average righties that you come across now. So they're not as hardcore as they used to be. That is an interesting shift that you've seen. So on that topic, because while we've seen a lot of people on the right who have become a little more uh, normal, I guess you would say, a little less uh, ideologically aggressive with some of those super puritanical viewpoints, uh, which I see the value in some of that, like tradition and, and, and family values and some of that stuff, like they have a very important, a very important role in society. Uh, but at the same time, like there are some things that were even for me as being a conservative, like raised very conservative Christian type, like even some of that stuff pushed way too far and, and rubbed me the wrong way for as uh, traditional as my upbringing was. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with any of it. Like I, I grew up very like Christian conservative as well. But um, I only have an issue when the state gets involved with it, when you want it involved in politics, when you want the government enforcing kind of your viewpoint, then I have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with it if it's just your viewpoint. I, I mean, live and let live, basically. On all right, things, right. So, yeah. uh, and so so as we've moved where um, maybe some of that is loosened, on the other side of it, the left has gotten like increasingly more psychotic. Like at, at one time, you could look at the left and say, okay, they're they're kind of kooky and out there with some of this stuff, but, you know, it's it's whatever. Like that's a fringe group. And now, if you don't agree with that fringe group wholeheartedly on every single topic, no matter what, you are a Nazi, you are a white supremacist, you are their enemy, and you should be canceled, and you have to be destroyed at every level. Uh, what has, uh, 
what has kind of been your take and, and your view on this, <clears throat> the shift between the two sides that we've seen really over the last, I, I'd say definitely over the last 20 years, but in, uh, it's really, really ramped up over the last 10. Yeah. So basically as like a libertarian, you're kind of chilling right here and the left used to be here and the right used to be here. The right has actually come in a bit and then the left has just gone way fucking far away, like super far away. So now it looks like the libertarians are like standing on the right to them and they're like, you like you're far right. And it's like, no, 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 you just, you left. We were in the middle. You left and now you're like so, so far left that nobody, like everybody looks far right to you. It's, it's insane. Um, the progressives or whatever they want to call themselves have definitely taken over. Like you're right. It used to be kind of this small niche group that nobody really paid attention to. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's gotten kind of freaky how much power that they've gotten a hold of. And you're right. It has been kind of a long time coming type of thing. It was like a slow roll. They like got control of the universities. They got control of the public schools. They got control of like indoctrinating a whole generation to believe this junk. And then after they had a whole generation that believed the junk, then they rolled it out in the political sphere. It's crazy. It's really impressive, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's I'm I'm not sure how old you are. Um, like I'm I'm pushing 40. So I was in a generation that as the public school takeover was kind of happening, like I, I got to see it starting to happen, but it didn't really affect my like my group of friends over the like two or three years, um, I guess from like 2000 to 2003, our graduating classes, we really didn't see it. But like my brother graduated in 2004 and it really seemed to hit with his class. Like the, the way that the, the government programs were starting to really hit the schools and the way that they were being taught stuff, it, it really shifted. And it like, you can see a huge difference between him and his class and the ones that came after versus us and the ones who had come before. Uh, so it, it, it's like all of this stuff really started to finally take hold. And, and you really do see a huge, uh, a huge shift in the culture from that point. That's why we have all those things that talk about the Xennials or whatever. Like there is that, that kind of generational gap between Gen X and, and uh, millennials that, there is a, a little group that don't really identify either way because there was that, that transitional phase where it, it hadn't quite taken hold yet, but it had started. And so we got to kind of witness the witness that slow roll as it, as it played itself out. Yeah. I graduated in 2011, so I can't even imagine like how bad it is now. It, I, yeah, I can't. Um, and it's funny because I grew up in this like teeny tiny town in Western New York. And so it was like, 700 kids in my whole school K through 12. Right. And like people would drive like tractors to school and shit. Like it was very rural. It was an Amish town. Yeah. And, um, but even with all of that, we had insanely liberal teachers because they would come in from like, you know, the city or whatever to come teach at the school. And they were all super liberal. I remember it was such a big deal when Obama got elected that everybody uh, in middle school and high school went down to our auditorium and like watched him like be sworn in and it was like this huge thing and like teachers were crying and it was like a really big fucking deal um, and so I was even back when before like teachers really talked politics a whole lot you know what I mean now it seems like everybody's saying that like 
they know everything about their teachers. They know like their political stances. They know their sexual orientation. They know like all this shit. And I mean, I guess we kind of knew our sex, our teacher's sexual orientation because like we had like lesbian, a couple lesbian teachers and stuff. And you obviously knew, but they weren't like, we're lesbians. Like nobody had to say it. We're just like, we know you're lesbians together. <laughs> but you know what I mean? And so it's even from then it's gotten so much crazier. I don't know how much further it can even literally go. I think the pendulum's got to swing back at this point because I don't think there's really a whole lot more room. So that kind of gets into um, with talking about the cultural stuff and and some of some of the pushback that you get on on some of the things that you post. Um, are you starting to see any of that starting to swing back a little bit? Are you starting to see like getting more support for some of what you're saying? Because I'm sure anytime you post something, the people who agree with you tend to not say a whole lot. And the people who hate everything that you do are going to be the loudest and the most prominent. So are oh, you yeah. starting to see anything where maybe it is starting to, to shift back in that other direction? Are you starting to see more support or maybe maybe see less of the animosity? I don't, I don't imagine that actually happens. I think the ones who are who. Yeah, not less animosity. animosity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I have, think they have a, a an off switch or a, or a dial back. No, I have plenty of hate followers who just follow me to hate on me. Uh, but. So as far as the support thing goes, I have gotten a lot more uh, since this recent election, a lot more um, people coming out and saying I used to be on the left. Uh, but like, you know, the pandemic happened or Biden happened or whatever. And I like I came out of it. I, I can't support it anymore. So there's a lot more of that. Um, and there also are a lot more people on the right going, oh, I didn't know I was libertarian. Like when you um, kind of describe some of the things, they're like, oh, yeah, I thought I was Republican. I didn't know I was libertarian. It's like, yeah, a lot of you guys actually have pretty like liberty minded values, but, you know, you're like hardcore into the Republican thing because you don't even know there's another option. Or a lot of people think that voting libertarian is just, uh, you know, throwing your vote away to the left, basically, um, because they think they only pull from the right. But uh, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, Republicans being like, oh, I didn't even know. Like, I'm, I guess I'm not like full blown Republican. But I think the whole Republican Party in general, when it comes to like, you know, the actual people involved, not the politicians, has moved quite a bit more uh, towards the center. So I think that's good either way. Okay. So this may be a little more inside baseball type question what do you think is a good libertarian strategy do you think it's to run a whole bunch of candidates on like local levels do you think it's to try to go for like big national campaigns is it to do sort of a ron polish type thing and use the the republican party as a vehicle to drive for liberty and promote liberty in that way what's what do you think of uh like strategy wise how's the best way to to go about spreading a, a message of liberty and getting people to kind of see what the ideas are and understand where these things are coming from. So I, I think, well, one, I think the Libertarian Party missed out. I have so many problems with the Libertarian Party, by the way, but uh, I, I have high hopes for the Mises Caucus takeover. So fingers crossed. But um, I think we missed missed our largest opportunity probably that would ever fucking be sorry i don't Go know if we're on here uh could ever be handed to us um with the pandemic and not coming out against that 
like hardcore like the libertarian party should have been all over social media going no we're the party of no lockdowns we're the party of liberty we're the party of freedom we're the party of supporting small business we're the party of no lockdowns no big government we're the party of you can choose like medical freedom um and they didn't but that's the kind of stuff that you need to do you need to literally inject yourself into the conversation and the libertarian party has such an issue with that the libertarian party is so like small and meek and they're like well we just want to blah 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 you know or they say dumb shit like just really dumb stuff nothing like actual libertarians care about so i'm really hoping that the meeks caucus takeover changes this all up because i know like there was a huge sweep so i'm really hoping for that um but as far as what they need to do that's what they need to do they need to come out and be like no we're the party of liberty we're the party of freedom we're the party of you can you know make your own decisions and you're an adult and come out on social i mean social media that it's really not that hard so i don't think it even has to be like so complicated as like oh we like run like a hidden type republican and but have them have like liberty-minded ideals and kind of like sneak it in no just like come out full force hit people in the face with it like we're the party of freedom and both of the other parties shut you down and locked you in your house and wanted to force like a medical choice on you and we're the exact opposite of that. Well, and then and then it rolled into 2021 and the Libertarian Party, the National Libertarian Party, basically continued to double down on being soft and pathetic on all of those topics when like when it's it was impolite. It's yeah. impolite to leave your house. When it was still going on like yeah that was that was kind of a thing for me was i uh i left the republican party a long time ago i guess it was in 2008 and uh and i, I just kind of was disaffiliated for a long time and i knew of the libertarian party i just didn't have a whole lot of and i i identified personally as libertarian leaning but i didn't have a whole lot of use for the libertarian party because everything I'd ever seen of it just seemed really soft and, and useless. Mm -hmm. uh, so coming into 2020, like with the lockdowns and, and COVID and everything that was happening, it was like, okay, this is the time that like, as a party, you should be shining. Like this is, this is your moment to, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And so I got, I started putting money towards stuff. I started supporting stuff. I started attending stuff and, and getting involved. And then it just never, yeah, it didn't like, pan out there. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, there's your opportunity. And then come 2021, it's like, okay, like, I, I get it. You may have had a particular strategy going into 2020, and you didn't want to abandon that strategy, even though in the face of, you know, this monumental thing, that's what you have to do is abandon whatever your old strategy was and hit the thing that's the most pressing in, in society. And they didn't do it. It's like, well, you got 2021, you've got the vaccine mandates that are being rolled out, like, Now's your time to stand up and say, okay, this is the thing. Do not, you know, do not let the government dictate, dictate this to you. And we believe that you should have body autonomy. And, and then they just doubled down on being soft and aggressive. And so I kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the Mises takeover as well. But until I start to see fruit from it, like I, I just have very little use for it. And uh, I will use libertarian ideas and ideals for things that I do locally, but uh, until something really changes with that, I, I have trouble uh, aligning with them for the time being. We're, we'll see what the next year or two brings. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm kind of the exact opposite. Like, I've always been libertarian leaning. 
uh, and avoided like this it, kind of like the catch 22 with being a libertarian, right? It's like you never want to like actually be a part of a group or anything political or anything like that. You're just like, mm, no, thanks. Um, so I've definitely avoided any organized politics uh, for a long time. But then after uh, COVID happened and I, that whole missed opportunity and everything, I started to actually look into like the party and get more involved in the actual politics of it. So I'm kind of the opposite. I'm hopeful. I don't even know if I'm a registered libertarian. That's the funny thing. I tried and then like, I don't know if it went through. One thing I'm hoping for, I don't understand how there's so many autistic libertarians out here and the, like the electronic side should be working a lot better. Our tech should be like on point. You know what I mean? But it's not, I went to, when I went to register for Reno, it like didn't go through. I had a call, like a lady had to help me and she like, I thought she was going to do some like technical thing on her end. She didn't. She just redid the form on her end and like asked me all the info and like filled it out and then messed it up. <laughs> it was just like a shit show. And I was like, we should have the best tech. Like how we have all like all of the autistic people. You would, we should be top you notch. You think that with all of the all of the people who just like flood social media with libertarian stuff nonstop that we would yeah. have the best social media out there. Because Nobody wants I, to get involved, though. Both the Democrats and the Republicans, like their social media presence is very minimal and really, really bland, if not just blatantly shitty. Well, they utilize they utilize like celebrities and blue checkmark people and stuff like that to push out their message. Really, I mean, literally, Biden had influencers that he was telling uh, policy to, and he was like, "Go spread this on TikTok." Yeah. So that's how they do it. So it doesn't even matter what uh, their actual social media platforms look like. They're utilizing influencers and other people. So the Libertarian Party is incredibly behind like, on and social you, media. And you would think with with the the names and faces and like recognizable people that the party has that, that identify as Libertarians, they should be a lot better at that than they are. And then they're just not. And with all the, you know, all the the uh, tech entrepreneurs and people who are uh, into cryptos and all of that stuff that, that are libertarian, you would think we would be better tech wise with stuff. And, and it's just not. And yeah. It's, it's crazy. Not. Right. It's a Is shame. Vince Vaughn still libertarian. Why, why, why do we not have Vince Vaughn? <laughs> right. Why, why don't, why don't they reach out to any of the people who have self-identified like publicly said, yeah, I, I think I'm more libertarian than anything or like, like you said, Vince Vaughn, there there are plenty of other like celebrities, big, big name celebrities that have. Come I think out it's because the that. Libertarian Party doesn't want to win. Like they're just happy to exist. You know what I mean? And they're scared to not exist. So they're like, if maybe if we don't like rattle any cages, if we just stay small, they'll let us keep existing. I, I really think that that's been the big fear is like they're scared to die. So they don't want to push any buttons or whatever. But it's like the only way you get into the conversation is by pushing buttons. So let's talk about that because I, I do think that is a an interesting part of the Libertarian Party, especially the National Party, is uh, there are plenty of people in the uh, more right wing uh, segments of Libertarianism who think that the the LP National is it's an op, it's a controlled op that it serves a certain purpose to swing elections. Uh, in different areas, one way or the other, however, say the cathedral wants it to swing, 
um, by utilizing, say, a good right-leaning Republican candidate to knock off or a good right-leaning libertarian candidate to knock off a Republican or using a more left-leaning libertarian candidate to knock off a Democrat. Uh, and because we've seen that happen both ways across the country. Uh, I think most prominently probably would have been in Georgia where Shane Hazel ran a good campaign, but ultimately two really shitty Democrat senators ended up winning over two very uh, soft and mediocre Republican candidates. So, so that shifted the shifted the Senate to the left or to the middle, I guess you would say. And with, with the, uh, the Democrats taking the presidency, that gives them the tiebreaker in the Senate. So what do you think about that as far as like the, the possibility of the libertarian party on a national level being kind of a controlled op. Um, I, I don't know if it was intentional, um, but I definitely think, so what I think the libertarian party has been is just like lining the pockets of certain people and basically just kind of just fake, you know what I mean? It's like these people, that were in high positions in the Libertarian Party, I think they didn't actually care whether or not the Libertarian Party went anywhere. They just liked their like high status job or whatever, and they that's all they cared about. Like I don't think anybody in the upper levels of the Libertarian Party really wanted libertarianism to grow or to flourish or to actually win anything. I think they just cared about the job and they just utilized the Libertarian Party to like meet their own goals and stuff like that that's what i think it has been um as far as like do i think they purposefully put people in there um maybe i'm a conspiracy theorist so i'm always down for a good conspiracy <laughs> so maybe but uh i definitely think that the people in there weren't in there for like actually growing the libertarian party and you could tell by all the things that they did they didn't tr they didn't even attempt to do anything that would grow the libertarian party so to that point, if the Libertarian Party under the Mises Caucus starts to see some success, starts to actually change that messaging, starts to maybe even win some meaningful races. I mean, I know I know Libertarians in uh, Pennsylvania like won a whole bunch of seats on different uh, county councils and school boards and, and stuff like that. And a lot of them were uncontested, which is cool. I mean, that's the way you that's the way you build your numbers and that's the way you get wins is you find the, the easy, uh, easy races and you pick those off. But let's say that the, the Mises caucus does start to have success and does start to get legitimate wins does start to like really pose a threat and create a challenge to do the duopoly. Mm -hmm. What happens then? Because then you are squarely in their crosshairs. And they like fighting with each other. They don't necessarily like competition to their uh, to their little game that they play. So what what happens if the if the party does actually start to be good and have some influence? Like, do I think the attacks would start from Republicans and Democrats? Oh, I mean, we've already seen we've already seen that they uh, they've effectively labeled us uh, domestic terrorists. Uh, not yeah so <laughs> right um i mean i think it's good i think that's kind of what you have to do 
I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I think that's what you have to do. I think obviously there's going to be this whole, there's going to be attacks from both sides just because they wanted to say just them. And I think that's like what I was saying, like one of the big issues with the libertarian party has been that they they're aware of that and they're like okay well if we just don't fuck with them too much then they'll just let us keep existing over here in the corner you know what i mean like they don't want to get into that actual battle with them because they know it's going to be a team up and get rid of the libertarian party type issue but i think that's a huge problem with american politics is this whole idea that no it's it's like democrat and republican and that's it like the whole idea of oh well libertarians siphon votes you're not siphoning votes from anybody. It's a different option. Like it, that comes down, the whole siphoning votes thing uh, correlates to this idea of, oh, it's only supposed to be Democrat and Republican. So if you put in a third option, it's going to pull from one of the other sides. And it's like, no, it's just a different option. So you're adding in an, an additional option. It's not siphoning votes from either side. It's a separate vote. You know what I mean? You're giving, so, you're giving people the choice that they actually wanted to make. Yeah. And so it's, it doesn't matter if there's 50 choices. Nobody's siphoning votes from other places. You just have 50 choices, you know? And so I think there's this huge issue with, oh, it has to be Democrat or Republican. And just how people view that in general is a, like, there's only two ways of thinking. That's insane. There's definitely more than two ways of thinking. So th this is a interesting point. And that's the scam. It's the, there are no parties. It's only the flip sides of the uniparty. Like it's, yeah. They are they are the two two wings of the same bird, two sides of the, two sides of the same coin. Like they right. are, so they, they don't are, want to be threatened. In control, yeah, yeah, they don't want to be threatened with a third option that's not a part of the game, that's not a part of the scam. And I think that we have to. And the thing is, is like you're not going to do anything just sitting on the sidelines. You're not going to do anything hiding in the corner. So if you actually want liberty, you're going to have to come out against them, and you're just going to have to. It just has to be a big like social media push like you have to get people behind you and people supporting you and that's what you have to do but and you're you, gonna have to fight them eventually and you have to be willing to take those those spears and arrows and keep pushing forward because they're they're going to lob everything they've got at you as soon as you start to present yourself as a legitimate threat and you've got to be ready to to uh, to wade through those battles and to get hit like that and to keep pushing forward because the, the, it's not going to end once you present yourself as a legitimate threat. Right. Well, and if you aren't willing to do that, do you even really believe what you're saying? Right. You know what I mean? Like you have to legitimately believe what you're saying to be able to go and like take those arrows and stuff. But at the end of the day, like it's worth it if you truly believe in personal sovereignty and liberty. So if your idea of personal sovereignty stops at someone attacking you, it wasn't a very strong belief there, I don't think. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So we've been a little more serious on the political side of stuff. Let's uh, lighten it up a little bit. You did mention it, so I wanted to ask very briefly. Uh, don't want to spend too much time on the topic necessarily. You mentioned the OnlyFans thing. Do you consider that sex work? Okay, so I actually don't consider it sex work. Um, I think that's kind of like too big of an umbrella because I think there definitely is a difference between posting nude photos and actually having sex with people. So I think there should be like a 
separate category, um, especially because like you can post nude photos in a very artistic way. Um, there's plenty of chicks that I follow on OnlyFans that don't do full nude. You know what I mean? So there's tons of different options and throwing it all under sex work, I think is pretty broad. Uh, but the people who are vehemently anti anything with women showing bodies or anybody showing their bodies, I guess, uh, they kind of just have an overall umbrella of like the whole slut shame thing. So they're like, no, 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 you're, you're all sex workers. <laughs> but I don't, I don't view it as sex work because I think there's a big difference between having sex and posting a nude photo. But that's just me. Like, I don't think Playboy models are sex workers. Right. Like, the, the, um, so that's one of those distinct or uh, making the distinguishment between the two that you'll see on, uh, well, not you because you're not on Twitter, but like, if you I know spend, I need to get on there. Then it's kind of a shit show. Uh, <laughs> so you, you should you should put some consideration into that before just jumping in. But yeah, I mean, it, it is also a, a fun place. And uh, there's a lot of good conversations that also happen on Twitter on top of it just being a, a complete cesspool of uh, human waste. But like what, that's that's a, a kind of a topic that comes up is like everything gets lumped in as sex work. And even the uh, even like OnlyFans models who do that sort of stuff. Some do call it sex work. And it's like, yeah, but. But is it really like you're, uh, I don't know, it feels like there should be some distinctions and categorizations of that that uh, separate what is actually sex work versus what is, you know, artistic or creative or just nudity, stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I wanted to get your take on that because that is something that gets uh, yeah, I when about. It, when it comes down to actual like government policy, though, I, like it should all be allowed, in my opinion. Obviously, I think decriminalize anything to do with what you would call sex work or whatever. Um, so that's just my opinion because I don't think – so the funny thing about um, – I've never understood why, like, prostitution would be illegal because you basically have sex with people for all different types of reasons. You know what I mean? And tons of chicks will just, like, have sex for a free meal. So it's like, it's the same thing, really. But as soon as you say like specific words and money is exchanged in a specific way, there's plenty of people who like in their relationship, the dude or the chick or whatever pays for everything all the time. And there's definitely a financial financial exchange in the relationship. So it's like this really weird thing where it's like, no, as soon as you're doing that, I, I genuinely only think it's because uh, like you can't really tax it. There so is no good way for the government to monitor, regulate, and tax it. Therefore, it has to be illegal because yeah. unless they can put their hands in it and get their and, and get their cut, then. But it's so easy to make things to illegal because all the government has to do is like look how like look how bad this is, and people are like, well, I would never do it, and it's like it's true, I would never do it. Just like drugs, I would never do it. But do I think that people should be thrown in jail for doing it? No, and it's like you can. You can believe that like things are maybe not great or like that you would never do something and also not have it criminalized. Like there's exactly. a, there needs to be a huge distinction there. So that's one of those things is like what I would I do real quote unquote sex work never. But do I think anybody should be thrown in jail for that? No. As long as it's consensual adults, which, by the way, I think the Libertarian Party also needs to come out and have like a big, strong message against the whole fucking age of consent thing. I hate that. I get that argument so much is like I'll be talking about like taxes or something and people will try to shut me down by going, OK, now talk about the libertarians thoughts on age of consent. 
And I'm like, actually, I think it should be raised to 20 for everything across the board, personally. But only because, like, I feel like it's the only logical number. Nobody else, like, agrees with me on this. <laughs> but I think 20 makes sense because you're no longer a teenager. You know what I mean? Like, 18, 19. So you have, like, your child years, your teen years, and then your adult years. Adult would start at where? 20, right? Because you're not 18, 19. Adult starts at 20. So I think everything across the board, like guns, booze, all of it, 20 years old. But- I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. So I wanted to I wanted to uh, ask Magoo's question here. And then and then I do want to dig dig more into the raging, raising the age of everything. Um, so Magoo asks, is there a difference in interacting with OnlyFans replies and libertarian dudes on TikTok? Because, you know, libertarian dudes tend to get the uh, the insult. Uh, uh, vibe that they uh, a lot of libertarian dudes especially if you do join Twitter you will see it very quickly they they simp hard and they don't seem to uh, have a, a, a huge social life as far as the female of the species is concerned so they tend to be pretty cringy as far as some of us uh, like less incel type uh, are concerned and when we see their interactions with some of the ladies, the libertarian ladies of, of Twitter, it, it's just like, oh, God, could you be a little bit less that? Um, so do well, you think, get some of I that? I think or? the incel thing is changing, to be fair. Like, I think as the party grows and stuff, the incel thing is uh, is changing. So I think we're, we're stepping away from that, you know, we're, we're growing. Um, but as far as like the interacting um i'm really like i'm really lucky in the fact that like the people who tend to agree with me or enjoy my content um on any platform are just like super chill and cool and nice and um it is like like on OnlyFans, it's obviously only positive so that's kind of cool but the majority of dudes want to talk politics when they message me on there they want to like like talk about like the latest video I made or whatever, or they want to talk cars or they just want to talk like they're what's going on in their life. <laughs> it's like pretty chill. It's kind of similar to being a bartender. Like I used to be a bartender. It's the same thing. Um, but on like TikTok and stuff like that, you have a little bit more of like uh, the nice comments or the nice comments, but then the, the people that want to shut you down are basically the only difference is like you have people who are definitely way more, like rude but that's tiktok for you i, I could see that and I, I don't i wouldn't imagine you would get a whole lot of people on only fans who are gonna pay to bad matthew no. and, and if if people are willing to like if i yeah, were you doing can that, if, if you want yeah <laughs> i mean if i were doing that if people want to pay me money so they can talk shit about me huh I'll take your money. I'm, oh, degrade I'll, me all day. I'll even talk shit back if that's what you want. Like we can, we can do that. I do that for free on Twitter every day. I can, I can definitely, ha- I can definitely have an OnlyFans where I just talk shit to people. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. People are. I think people like people are really chill and cool. And there's just a lot of like liberty-minded people right now, with all of the shit that's gone down over the past couple years, the past few years, I guess. And so people just want to talk freedom, want to talk liberty. So that's why I think the Libertarian Party in general has like a big opportunity. Well, they missed a really big one, but there still is an opportunity here. So I think we should really grab it. Very cool. And and yeah, you're 
definitely right on that. Uh, so let's talk about that raising the age of stuff because they, there are uh, right now the House and Senate are kicking around this new gun gun control legislation that would raise the age of purchasing a firearm to 21, um, amongst other things. And for what you were talking about, like raising the age to, to 20 on everything, uh, what do you think about the firearm age? And also, like, so for my personal opinion on that, cool. Raise the age to buy a firearm to 21. Also raise the age of enlisting in the military to 21. Mm -hmm. Raise the voting age to 21. Like, make it across the board. Don't don't just don't just say we're going to raise the age to buy a, a, a weapon. There was the, I don't know if you saw it, there was a clip of uh, Thomas Massey had an exchange with another senator, and I can't remember, or a congressman, I can't remember what his name was, um, when he said we should raise the age to 21, Massey said, well, then shouldn't we also raise the age of military enlistment to 21? And the guy said, well, no, we shouldn't. And he said, but didn't you just say that the brain isn't fully developed and you're not matured and a mature adult until 21, so you shouldn't be allowed to buy a weapon, but you want those people whose brains aren't developed and aren't mature in the military at 18. He's like, and yeah, he said, obviously that's how we get them. <laughs> yeah. That's effectively what he said. Like he was, he was saying, the, saying the quiet part out loud there. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on all of that? Because like, I mean, you did say you wanted to raise to 20 or you thought it should be raised to 20 anyway, which I don't disagree with actually. So. Yeah. Well, so I think it just needs to be one age across the board for literally everything. Either you're an adult or you're not an adult. Like, I, logically, the different ages for different things doesn't make any sense to me. I know people are like, oh, your brain doesn't fully develop until 25. There's, I see a lot of that on TikTok, or it's around 25. And so they say, okay, so we should raise the, like, gun age to around 25 or whatever. And it's like, we need to just sit down and define what an adult is. Because an adult should be able to do everything across the board. There, you're not, there shouldn't be different freedoms for adults based on age. You're not adult level one, adult level two. You know what I mean? You're, you're just an adult. So whatever that adult age we decide is, and for some reason we say 18 now, I honestly don't know why. Like for me, I always want to have a logical reason behind everything and why I support something. So that's why 20 makes sense to me because I'm like, well, you're not a teenager anymore. And what's the step after teen? Adult. So it seems like 20 would be the adult age. I don't know. It just makes sense. But if we want to make it 18, we can make it 18, whatever. But there needs to be one age where it's just like you can do everything because you're an adult who has adult rights to freedom, to like uh, personal protection. That's another thing with the gun thing. It's like you. So you're saying now that a kid has to move out of their parents house at one age, but they're not old enough to protect themselves with a firearm until they're 21. That's right. crazy to me. Like, so you have multiple years of you're an adult and you have to pay for all your shit and you have to do everything and have all this responsibility, but you can't protect yourself because you're not mature enough to do that, but you're mature enough to do everything else. Right. And also maturity is super subjective. So it can't be based on maturity because then it's going to be, if you want to base on maturity, you basically have to have a test, right? And then who's creating that test? So then you run into all kinds of problems there. So it has to be an age. It has to be an And there's going to be plenty of people who are super immature at that age and super mature at that age. That's just how it's going to be. And we just have to deal with it. Like, 
18 year olds are all across the spectrum of maturity. So are 20 year olds or 25 year olds, you know, so just as we just have to pick an age and it's, you get everything. You're an adult. You have full freedom at that age. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that is not unreasonable. Um, so something that's a popular topic amongst, um, amongst many libertarians is uh, states rights and the 10th the amendment. So would having a flat age across the board, would that violate a states rights 10th amendment type of a thing where that it would, at that point it would have to be a federal mandate. And, uh, and then you kind of take away the, so like for right now, Indiana has a different age of consent than say Kentucky, than say Tennessee. Then yeah, I think that's crazy, honestly. So I'm all about states' rights. Um, I'm super into states' rights, but if we're going, we are, we are libertarians. We're not anarchists, right? I mean, well, I always say like anarchy is the ideal, but libertarianism is my compromise. And um, so with libertarianism, we are agreeing that there is a federal government and it has a couple of purposes. And that, like, I think the whole point is like the federal government is supposed to protect your freedom, right? And you have to, like, at what age do you get those, all those full freedoms? I don't I mean, think if, there should if be protecting a children isn't one of those few things that the federal government should do, then. Then what's the point of the government? Then we shouldn't even have one, I think. Yeah. So it's like you, you have to define what is a child, what is an adult. Yeah. I, and I think that's pretty, like, it doesn't seem that crazy to me. It seems pretty simple. There should be, it should be one across the board. It's like you're an adult at this age. You get full freedoms at this age, no matter where you are in the United States of America. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. It would clean things up quite a bit. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the uh, being an accountant, especially being an accountant where, you know, the uh, the tax burden is pretty wild on most of, the, the American citizens. And so you get to uh, kind of see, uh, see things from the tax side of it and being in, in accounting. Um, what are some of the things that are challenging and also uh, maybe rewarding or that you can have an impact on from, from that side of uh, your career? But you know what? Kind of, so are, are you like asking me that question as if I'm a real accountant? Sure. I'm not I'm a, a real accountant. I'm a spicy accountant. That's ah. that's the term that you use because you can't say the term that you actually are. So I'm not a real accountant. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> if you thought I could do your taxes for you. Um, yeah. I say don't pay your tax. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for legal reasons, that's a joke. I pay all my taxes. Um, no, I'm not an actual accountant. I'm a spicy basically just another word for uh, OnlyFans chick. That's funny, though. <laughs> Let's see. I was I was hoping to get some actual legal mm -hmm. advice on how to do my taxes. So I, no, but I, I did learn you something. So, yeah. you know. No, well, I'm not really. Sorry. I'm going to continue to do my taxes the way I, I have been and uh, not pay them. There you um, go. There are actually ways that you can set up your taxes where the, um, you ultimately don't pay anything. I don't know anything about that. All right. So let's see. I'm trying to think of the way to word this. Yeah, go for it. I got to move my white trash bangs need cut. They keep poking me in the eyeballs. 
how do you how do you take serious topics and make them humorous and funny like uh for the morning show that i do we are basically not serious with anything and it's all just a giant joke as far as we're concerned but like when i do this show i try to be humorous but uh the more i listen to my own content the more i realize i i swing and miss and i end up being way too serious more often than not um maybe i i don't do well in a solo format or like one-on-one interviews whereas in more of a, a group it's a little more loosey-goosey and, and freewheeling but uh how do you take like good serious topics and turn them into something that's humorous and, and relatable for, for people? Uh, because you, you have clearly managed to do that. And it's the reason why you get both plenty of love and plenty of hate is because you do present things in a way that, that people can engage with it. Well, thank you. Um, so I think first of all, don't be so hard on yourself. It's a lot easier to be funny in a group setting because you have more going on and more to like bounce off of. So yeah, that's just typical with anybody. Um, but the whole making serious things funny, basically the easiest way I've found to do it is just to kind of riff off of the opposing side like you believe it, but like pointing out the stupidity in it while you do it. So it it's so easy now with uh, progressives, lefties, whatever you want to call them, um, their sides have gotten it's so ridiculous now. It's almost not like they're, they're satire in and of themselves. They're nothing makes sense. They're super hypocritical. Like there'll be one day they're like, we need to disarm all American citizens. And the next day they're like, we need to arm the citizens of Ukraine. And I'm like, what the, do you guys like listen to what you're saying? They don't, they don't. It's insane. They just wake up every day. Like, everything data dumps from their head from the day before and they're just like go ahead put it in me what what do i think today and they just take it with absolutely not like zero thought kind of makes me like think npc theory is real because it's absolutely insane so you don't it doesn't you don't have to try really hard if you're going to attack lefties honestly um going after the right is a little tougher though because their stuff um while you can disagree with it usually has some like logical consistency to it you know what i mean like it's usually based off of their moral values so it's kind of difficult to point out uh the hilarity on the right because there's not a whole lot of hilarity there anymore but the left is super easy you just point out exactly what they say and how it contradicts and haha funny maybe maybe that's why i uh feel like i fail with the the humor thing is because a lot of the times what i am going after is stuff that is um most of most of the people that I know personally that would listen to this show tend to be coming at it from the right. So mm-hmm. I tend to attack the police and teachers unions and public education a lot. And they are very entrenched. And most people on the right are very entrenched in, you know, back the blue and teachers are good. I get it. My mom was a teacher. My niece is a sheriff's uh, is a sheriff's deputy. They, I have family that is in law enforcement and education. Lots of friends in both. I get it, but like, just because you support them and you have you know people personally who do it doesn't mean that everything they do is right. And it especially doesn't mean that like, in the little bitty tiny small like you talked about coming from a, a class or a, a school that had seven hundred. Like I graduated with the biggest class in our school, and it was fifty of us who graduated together. Like super small school, um, you know. In our little community, the teachers that we have and the police that we have, 
they're a lot different than the police and the teachers in general that you see across the rest of the United States. And, and that's what, like, that's the things that I'm going after. But then I get very personally attacked on, well, what about your mother? She taught preschool for 20 years. Are you just saying that everything she did was wrong? Like, no, I'm yeah, not talking about individuals. I am. No, you just lean into it. You just say, yeah, fuck you, mom. Like, so yeah, that happens. Um, it's actually funny. I, I get attacked a lot by the left in like the kind of mob scenario thing that they do where they'll just all kind of, um, the worst one I ever got was I really pissed off, uh, for some reason, a group of lefties from the UK and man, did they come at me. (laughs) They were were not happy. Um, but the worst one I got from the right was I made a video like making fun of the of police basically and just kind of pointing out how you would never let another person do this to you and so I did this like fake scenario where someone's telling you to like get in a cage and then you don't want to listen to them and then they point a gun at you or whatever you know and then at the end it's like oh I'm a police officer and they're like oh why don't you just say that like I'll do whatever you want you want to search my butthole like that so I made that video and then the I got the mob thing. The mob thing happened to me, but from the right. And I was like, whoa, you guys usually don't like team up like this. Like this is well organized. And um, the, ultimately I had to pull the video down because they were reporting what happens when you get like the mob thing is they'll come in and they'll just start reporting all your videos. And then you're like, <sighs> and then you run the risk of like your account being banned completely and stuff like that because TikTok's just call me talk and it's absolutely ridiculous. And they'll just take you down for no reason. So I was like, so I had to just delete the video, but I was like, I guess I can't like do that on here. I'm going to have to make a backup account just to talk about like police brutality. But that was the only time I've ever seen the right come together in an organized fashion and attack me. It was about making fun of police officers. And I was like, wow, you guys are crazy. So the whole, uh, what do you call it when somebody's like in a relationship, in a bad relationship and then they like, like end up liking their uh abuser what's that called stockholm syndrome yeah yeah so the left clearly has stockholm syndrome but the right has stockholm syndrome on that big time on like the police thing and it's very weird but they haven't let go of that fully but there are more people from the right that are like opening their minds to and stuff like that i think covid had a lot to do with it when they were like whoa whoa like you guys are literally coming after our freedom like that's not cool when you have like people being pulled out of uh restaurants in new york city like families with children because they don't have their documents for their COVID vaccine. I think that like woke a lot of people up. Like that's a little much. They have like 20 police officers there. It's like, well, you can't handle this five-year-old without his papers. Well, and also the, uh, the George Floyd, George Floyd riots of the summer of 2020, where you saw the police just literally stand down and watch buildings get burned to the ground and people get beat up and not do anything about it. I I think that started to wake some of them up to the fact that the police have no obligation to actually protect you or take care of you in any way. They're hasn't been like that for a long time. Right. They don't protect and serve anymore. Right. It's just another, it's just the arm of the state. It's all it is. And they just like to make revenue. Well, if you ever feel like waking up a, uh, a different type of of, uh, right wing mob, go after public education systems. That'll, that'll get them. That'll do it too. So you know what's interesting about that is I don't know. So like I've 
is that recent? Because there's a lot of people on the right who are super pissed at the public education system for like the indoctrination and uh, the whole um, controversy with like transgender and stuff like that. And they're super supportive of like homeschooling and stuff right now, I've noticed. So that's, yeah, that has kind of come about, um, especially as libs of TikTok has become a much more prominent thing and you've gotten to see on full display some of these like psychotically woke teachers and some of the, yeah, some of the stuff that they push and promote. And also, as you've seen the CRT stuff become more Mm -hmm. prevalent. And then with the, the teachers unions pushing to mask kids and stay shut down when everything pointed to the fact that there was no reason to do that. Um, Yes, that has waned a bit. If, uh, if you did that in 2020 or before you would definitely get, uh, mobbed for it. Maybe yeah, it, we may have this, have, it may have loosened a little bit over the last year, though. Yeah, we have this thing where, like, teachers are martyrs. It's so weird to me. I don't understand why, like, it's the hardest job ever. And it's like, you get weekend, uh, you get every weekend off. You only work till, like, 3 p.m. You have all summer off. You basically can't get fired. You're doing nothing but, do you remember how easy school was? You're doing nothing but school every day. You're doing child stuff every like I'm, it's not that difficult. I'm not saying it's like easy or whatever dealing with some of these kids. I'm sure, but it's not the fucking hardest job in the world. It is far from the hardest job in the world. It's basically, I mean, those who can't do teach. That's a real thing. <laughs> like it's pretty easy. It's pretty chill. It's not that intense. You're not doing like hard manual labor. You're not like. Let's be honest. Are there really like? intellectually being burdened teaching fifth grade math the same thing every year i really i don't think so i think people need to chill with the whole teachers or martyrs thing they're not they're fine they're like people just don't want to lose their babysitting so they're like oh the teachers are great let the hate mail flow here <laughs> <laughs> no i'm I, I don't disagree I, like i said my mom was a pre was a preschool teacher for 25 years and but yes i i know that there's more than just that to it but at the same time there's not a whole lot more than that and well it's an important job it's like it's super important because you're literally raising tiny humans so it's incredibly important it's just not the most difficult job it's not like people are like teachers need to be all paid six figures and they don't get paid enough and like they work so hard and it's like they get a lot of time off and it's pretty chill like they like they don't you know bring it down a notch it's not that intense it's very important work but it's not like you know there are also a lot of things in the education industry that I mean, because at the end of the day, it is an industry that um, teachers bear the burden of a lot of things that they shouldn't. And they do so almost voluntarily and willingly. It's like, like for my mom, she would do a whole lot of extra stuff. And like, that's not your job. That's I, I don't understand why you work for a teacher's union and you work for the state and you do all this stuff. That's clearly not your responsibility. Like hold your employers accountable for if, you know, in my position as, as a manager, if, I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. All of my employees are going to rise up against me. Like, why don't, why does the teachers union allow the state to be so negligent and treat y'all like shit? Like, isn't that the whole point of having a fucking union? Well, yeah, people, 
I think the teachers do that because it is such a nice job. Like, they don't want to admit it. They want to be looked at as, like, heroes and martyrs and stuff like that. They're like, look at all I'm sacrificing. It's like, if it's really that hard, go get a different job. Why are you guys all staying in it for a million years? Like, we all had those teachers who have been teaching since they were, like, in their 20s. And now they're, like, 80. And it's, like, clearly it's an okay job. You guys are really sticking with it. You have a college degree. You can go do something else if you want. But no. You're going to continue to teach. So it's like, obviously, you enjoy the job to a certain extent. There's certain perks that you don't want to live without. So you're willing to do all this extra stuff. And, that, do, yeah, that's on them. I do think something that's been a little bit white-filling as far as that goes, because you talked about the the push more for homeschooling from the right. Uh, you've also seen, I don't know if it's a significant number, but it, there there have been a number of teachers who have, over the last year and a half or so, started to leave the educational profession and go either either teach privately or just leave the field entirely and go do something else because because it has gotten to a point that they're unwilling to continue to go along with the the insanity that is the uh the industry of public education as run by the state which is great that's how you fix things right that's you know free market working itself out right there if you don't like it leave well did you have anything else you might want to talk about or uh, touch on? I, the, we have we have run the gamut of the topics that I kind of wanted to uh, wanted to cover, and I really appreciate it. This was a um, it was a lot of fun. It was a little bit different than what I might have been expecting. I don't know. Uh, what were you expecting? I don't know. Do you want to just like joke after joke from me? Did I not uh, deliver? You were like, oh, she's just gonna come here and make me laugh my ass off, and I'm like, no, I'm actually gonna talk about the things. <laughs> no, I. I I appreciate that, um, like, because some people do get the perception from social media. Like, social media is a, uh, it's kind of a magnifying glass on a very specific thing, and uh, people may not get a, a full gamut of like either how how funny somebody is, or how intelligent somebody is, or just how nuanced somebody's opinion is on something. Because you you know, on social media, especially something like TikTok, you see you know a minute of what is actually a, a huge you know thing that's in your head so uh this was really fun to to talk in depth about nuts and bolts type stuff with your your views and opinions on these topics that are very prevalent in our society and and also the fact that you can make it into a a mid of something funny like the like the intro around the beginning yeah thanks well that's why i'm actually starting up my own podcast should be launching next month. I'm really excited, but I want to start doing like the longer form stuff for sure. Cause it is hard to fit. Most of my stuff is like 15 seconds or less. So it's like just one little punchy joke. And so um, I definitely want to sit down and like talk about these issues, really kind of describe, like you said, the nuance, cause TikTok is not a place for nuance at all. Um, and that's not what gets interaction either. So, but yeah, so I'm excited kind of bring the, libertarian message a little further out there yeah i to, mean anyway. twitter's the same way it's not the I, honestly facebook isn't either uh you know the social media as a whole is not the place for nuance that's the whole reason i started doing this show was because i would write like these long articles explaining my opinions on something and nobody would look at it nobody reads so mm-hmm. but then i figured out if i started doing like five or ten minute videos and and explaining that same thing that i just wrote a fucking book about people would actually watch those and listen to those and, and pay attention. So, well, so yeah, reading it is, is hard. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're not all that good at it. That's our education system has failed us. 
Exactly. Here's another thing. Here's another thing about that. It's like, look how dumb we all are. We go to school for how? Like, you go to school for, like, a million hours a week, and then you come out and you can't even do, like, the fifth grade math. You can't even do it. And you're like, I don't even know how. I don't remember anything from school. And teachers act like their job is so hard. And it's like, you don't, you're not even doing your job. Like, I mean, there's there so are, many Americans who can't even read. There are plenty of studies that show most Idiots. most high school graduates are reading on, like, a second or third grade level and can't yeah, do so it. I was like, what, are, what were you doing in school that whole time? Could, right. Do you know the amount of skills you could learn if you were just, like, learning skills for what, what you go to school 30, 40 hours a week? When you're a kid, you go Monday through Friday for, like, how many hours? All right, I don't remember. Six, six, seven hours a day, something like that. I mean, Yeah. If you were just learning school skills during that time do you know how much you could absorb the things that people could be doing it would be insane and what what do you learn like the order of the memorizing the order of the presidents what does that do absolutely nothing and i don't remember it anyway because i just wrote it on my hand the whole time sorry mrs Hesslink, i cheated well looks like you would you would fail the uh unis test here can you name all the states without a map no the ones in the middle who gives a fuck about those ones <laughs> the flyover states nobody knows i'm sorry <laughs> and we don't need to like it doesn't matter unless nobody you're cares about you idaho <laughs> I li- actually i live in michigan now so i can i can't really talk <laughs> i would say that's sort of one of those flyover states yeah it's horrible everybody here's like super obsessed with it too they're like i live here they do the mitten thing. It's so dumb. Anyways, that's my life now. <laughs> that is perfect. That is perfect. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? Uh, that's it. Uh, so you need to smile. He's in one of those flower states that nobody actually knows where it is. Even if you did have a map, nobody, nobody can point to which one it is. Uh, it's somewhere near Nebraska that you also can't identify. Oh, I forget that Nebraska even exists. It's If it weren't for the College World Series every year in Omaha, Nobody would know it exists. Yeah. The, like North Dakota, how they were so great during uh, uh, COVID, but it's like nobody cares. And everybody just talks about Florida. Yeah. It's like North Dakota's over like, no, we did it first and we did it better. And people are like, yeah, but you're North Dakota. Yeah, like 4,000 people like, live there. Nobody cares. Yeah, everybody's packing up and moving to Florida. And North Dakota's like, well, but we we didn't lock down literally at all. And it's like, yeah, but then I got to live in North Dakota. Beautiful scenery, but you know, also snow. I guess you're from Michigan, so you know, so the snow might not bother you as much as a, a, a southerner like me. Yeah. Oh, see, next time we're gonna talk about the Free State Project because that's a. Uh, that's uh, the a bigger thing. one, yeah. Yeah, so we'll have to do this again because uh, there are plenty more topics on this, and and also, um, we'll get updates on your podcast as you get started up with that and. And yes, get, uh, it's going to be called Tax This with Elizabeth Duffy. And I'll definitely have you on if you guys want to kind of keep updated. You can follow me on TikTok at the Elizabeth Duffy. You can follow me on Instagram at the Elizabeth Duffy. FYI, the Instagram pics are a little saucy. So don't follow if you're easily offended by boobs. And yeah, that's about it. I don't think any of my audience is going to be very easily offended. Uh, but you never know. You never know. And Magoo is a. Uh, He's kind of a loose cannon sometimes. Well, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. This has been very uh, engaging. I really appreciate you taking the time. And hopefully we'll see a whole lot more of you with the uh, 
with Tax This and everything else that you got going on. Thank you very much. Have a good one.